Welcome back. We are so glad that you continue to join us and have joined us. If this is your first time, can I please say, Aaron, let us both say, welcome. Where, where am I looking? Right here? I don't know. Welcome. Just one of welcome. them. Welcome. Yeah. yeah. I, I could probably <laughs> sneak in that one over there. I don't know. My name's Adam Kaminsky. This is... Aaron Christie. That was very professional thank you so much for stating it that way and we are i've been working on it yeah you've been working out and working on your your presentation (laughs) skills yeah now we're super excited that you've tuned in and joined our podcast again work hard play harder where we talk about things entrepreneurial we talk about things work life fun fun um and how to overcome things and just a wide variety of different things we are super excited this week to have with us evan manship Evan, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to come and uh, and enjoy conversation with us. Well, well, we'll rank. Do you enjoy the conversation? I guess at the end. Yeah, of we'll, the show. we'll take a survey. We'll, we'll see how fine. the next hour goes. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. It's the coolest office I've ever been at. You guys have an awesome spot. Oh, so. thanks oh, for that. Thanks, appreciate dude. it. Yeah, we appreciate that. We uh, we take a lot of pride in it. We like it. We think it's fun, but we always like hearing that too. Actually, I'll, I'll call you out on air. This is, uh, so Evan hit me up uh, when he saw our uh, jumbo mini tron oh yeah and he was the one that was like hey man i need one of these made and then i asked you about it you're like well my dad still has a thing let me talk to my dad's and then i was like i forgot to follow up yeah and he was like yeah it's fine <laughs> and i was like but now this now is now that the guy. you've seen it yeah. yeah this is the guy so you can you can call him out now and uh, see if they can get you one made yeah aaron's a perfect syndicate of saying blame this guy, <laughs> I've, I've, never really this guy. I've, I've never really noticed that out of him. Yeah. as he ran out of the office this morning forgetting to pick somebody up at the airport and i heard him yell this is your fault Rick. That's a true story. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how, but somehow this is your fault. No, it's fantastic. Uh, Evan, why don't you give us a little bit about your background? We, we um, you, you've got your hands in a lot of different things and uh, are a believer in entrepreneurship and, and people and culture. And, and so let's just jump right in and give us a little bit of your background. Sure. Um, first and foremost, I, I was on a podcast about a month ago and I heard from my wife, speaking of blaming someone, that uh, I... <laughs> I didn't give immediate acknowledgement to the fact that I'm a husband and a father oh, right out of good. the gate because yes. I'm, I'm a new dad of a 19 year old. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I say new, but you know, two years later, it still seems weird. That's to say. new. Yeah. That's new. Yeah. If you're still so. counting in months, it's new. It's okay. I told Unless my, you're saying like 54 months, yeah. then you got to go. I told myself <laughs> I'd never be a month guy and here I am being the 20 yeah. month old guy. <laughs> so she'll be 20 months on the 28th. Um, Elizabeth is her name. So I'm a proud daddy, proud husband. Um, First and foremost. Uh, secondly, uh, yeah, big entrepreneur guy. Uh, wasn't initially. Um, Center Grove guy, Southside guy. So that's how kind of I got connected with Aaron and uh, his network right away. But uh, graduated Center Grove in 2009. And as a part of required reading that uh, Center Grove offered for everyone going into accounting and finance-related courses, there was a class called uh, Financial Planning uh, that they offered. Dave uh, Ramsey? And Dave Ramsey was a part of it. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a yeah. part of it. All the stuff you hear in every podcast alive anymore, yeah. right? Like the right. same book, same names. But it wasn't a, hey, you should read this book. It might help you out. It was, hey, we have a quiz on the cash flow quadrant on Thursday. Now go. Yeah. And uh, that really opened my eyes that there were different avenues to life than just going and getting a job and paying it to the man and, and being done with it. Yeah. Um, but it, that's what kind of opened my eyes to, okay, there, there's a different avenue to this. So yep. went to school, paid my dues, got my finance degree, which is a feat of its own, uh, the fact that I graduated. Well, and before we move on real quick, because we're getting into the college years now, I'd be remiss if I just didn't bring up that we, uh, Aaron and I both live, work, and have children that go to Franklin Central. Big rivalry between Franklin Central and Center Grove. Is it? Um, oh, yeah, huge, huge. I'm bringing it up because my kids who are on the football team. Oh, and, okay. Um, when I say there's a huge rivalry, it's more of us versus, you a know. A one-sided the, rivalry. Yeah, a little, little yeah. one-sided thing. Like, Center Grove's the one team <laughs> we can't get kind of thing, and yeah. so it gets a little rough. <laughs> That's so here I am like, is it really? <laughs> yeah. 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 This is like, you know it sucks. Mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways. Uh, all right, Center Grove. I, I got my mind past that now. No, so it's, uh, it's interesting you bring this up, and I'll uh, reverse it real quick. Just a personal anecdote. Um, I've long been this height and this wide, so I've never been an ultra-athletic dude. I've never been shredded, ripped like Durango or Aaron, but uh, I was on the football team forever, and eventually it kind of came to me like, hey, man, you're, you're in a class with 800 other people. You know, you are not going to start on this 5A uh, 6A now, yeah. you know, essentially Division One football team. Right. Like, you're not good yeah. 
So, uh, which really bugged me because I always wanted to be that guy, you know, the, the, the jock, you know, date the cheerleader. And I just wasn't that guy. Yeah. So I, I kind of decided, you know, how can I differentiate myself and still have an identity within this uh, sphere of things? And um, kind of decided, look, you know, there's an opportunity for it still to be around the football program without being you know, required to do these three days, four days, <laughs> have an eight pack and all this other stuff when you're 16 years old. So uh, we got started back in 2017. We were the first, 2017, I keep saying that, 20, 2007. Um, we started the first Center Grove tailgating club oh. in Center Grove history, which there, there's this ties into my kind of uh, passion for entrepreneurship now is it was something that was brand new. Yeah. Something that wasn't school sponsored, something that no one had any uh, hands in. And uh, we ended up going through, have you seen pictures of my van? I don't think so. You're going to love this. So uh, can I pull up my phone? And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then we'll, we'll throw it up on screen. You'll have to yeah. send it to us and we'll throw it up. Yeah, you're, you're going to love this. So we decided that, you know, we wanted to be a part of this. We love the scenario of football. All of our friends played on the football team. Uh, some of them work for our group to this day. But we uh, decided we wanted to, to do this. And to the best way we can think of to put on for our, our team was to start a tailgating organization. So, so now, well, real quick, while you find this. How many cool vehicles do you have? Because I saw you drove another one here. So every we'll get into. That's a great question. Uh, I have six, and everyone's got their thing. I think some people yeah. like Corvettes, some people do Ferraris. My thing is obscure vehicles. Yeah. So we had a bucket truck with a big cherry picker on it. We've okay. had a, we had a school bus, forty four seat school bus that we still have now. That's all wrapped up in our stuff. Do you own the chicken limo? We is don't own you? the chicken limo, but if okay. one come for came for sale, I okay. could make it the cockmobile, and we'd be just fine. I think <laughs> <laughs> Durango's bumping his shoulders here. That's, that's um, so, uh, to answer your question about obscure vehicles, this is what kind of was the catalyst for for that, which kind of introduced. Okay, there's a different way to look at any given thing. But my uh, my mother, you know, I didn't come from any money. My mom's a, was a teacher at Greenwood uh, Middle School for years and years. And my dad was a pencil pusher for Eli Lilly. Now he works for our group. But uh, we had a 1992. Plymouth Grand Voyager that mom kind of carted us all around when we were kids. Okay. And um, it was just a van, just a normal blue collar hillbilly van. And uh, mom decided we decided to upgrade. This is in 2007 to a 2003 Infiniti G35. And you would have thought that oh, we wow. would be, you know, lived in Highland Park or yeah. something. <laughs> we were the guys, right? Mom drove an Infiniti. So uh, without asking her one day, we had some buddies over and we started painting. You said old, without asking? Without, oh, absolutely without asking. We started painting. The van here. Okay. Jackson and Preston, this is not allowed. <laughs> I would disclaimer right now. <laughs> don't. Those are my kids. Just, I swear to God, if they paint one of our cars because of this podcast. I say it's okay, guys. <laughs> this is a shoot. His cars. I, I, I'm a, right. I'm, I'm a shoot first, ask questions later type dude. Ask for forgiveness. <laughs> ask my wife. Um, but we, we started painting this thing step by step. Paint, paint, paint really digging into a couple of different cool things we could do. Um, and we just got one step after another. We started looking into different local vendors on the south side to sponsor wheels, to sponsor paint, to sponsor interior stuff. For this, so, and the pitch was, hey, we're starting a tailgate club at Center Grove. You want your name on our van kind of thing? Yeah, and we had, okay. a, great, we had a great team. So my, my senior year, 2008, was the first year Center Grove ever won the state title. Okay. So that was the Jordan Allen years, the Luke Swift years, the Tanner Riley years, things like that. Um, but that was my senior year. So everyone knew we had a good team. There were a lot of eyeballs on the team and yeah. kind of the pregame. And that was when Ray, right before Ray Skillman kind of went crazy and did yep. his thing. So that's what our van looked like after it was all said and done. We secured seven different sponsorships on behalf of oh, that's cool. that van. And that was the kind of the ringleader behind more. the – That's you, awesome. You can scroll, yeah. But – we don't don't oh, scroll wow. too far, though. Yeah, never. That's right. Never. <laughs> Can't be trusted. That's really cool. So, yeah, so we did a deck, and we had all the lights and stuff. And that's so do what, you still have this? We uh, we gave it a nice little funeral. We took it in the middle of a cornfield and shot it with a bunch of paintball guns and blew it up. Oh, that's awesome. So, so what did your mom say when she came home and saw this when you first started doing well, it? Much like me starting my own group years later, she was petrified. You yeah. know, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. You know, furious. Yeah. And um, fast forward to when we, you know, we led the homecoming parade, uh, you know, our senior year and led the float out. And all, we had like a couple firework shoots or whatever on there. We were lighting fireworks off during the parade. So, I mean, seeing that, it was like, oh, God, this is cool. Like, they actually yeah. know what they're doing. And, uh, and again, in a microcosm, this is, I'm rambling now, but that was the catalyst for my entrepreneurship. It was like, That's you, know, awesome. you can take something that means nothing. It's, an ing it's a car yeah. that has no trade in value. Let's just try something new. Yeah. So we did, and it went nuts. And that's what really led me to. Isn't that cool, though, when you do um, bold, 
and obscure things like what can like what can actually transpire out of it just because yeah. just because you're bold enough to think about something or do something or ask for something or whatever it's it, especially when it's outside the box sometimes it's it's easier I wouldn't say easier necessarily, but it just, you know, you can get people on board with you. It's really interesting. I know what you're saying by easier, though, because there are things that you're like, you hear stuff that people didn't. You're just like, why didn't I think of that? Like, you know yeah. what I mean? That was just, it's something that hadn't been done. Yeah. We, um, several years ago, we had a, um, a um, communication and persuasion class that I took. Yep. And they showed us this like dateline special of this guy that had a goal to start with a red paper clip. You guys might've seen this. Oh, this he, is beautiful. I have yeah, seen Yeah. He literally starts with a red paper clip, just a paper clip. And his goal was within a hundred trades. I think it was, he wanted to make a hundred trades and own a house by trading this paper clip. I did not see clip this. And so they did a state this dateline special. And I think he ended up doing it in like sixty eight trades or something. Like he beat his whatever the goal was. And so um, they talked to us about the power of persuasion. Anyways, we we did this class. It was downtown Indianapolis, and a and you know so they go through this. And we're like, oh wow, that's really cool. Like you know, and you're writing down all the leadership lessons that correspond with this, and you know, communication lessons, and yada yada. And we get to the end, and they're like, "All right, uh, you know, this group of people, you're together, you're you're together, and you're kind of like, well, what's going on?" And then, sure enough, they hand us all a, a paper clip, and they're like, "All right, you guys have four hours, and it's a contest, and see who can bring back the coolest stuff." And so, so we literally went. Um, there, so I think there was like five groups of like four individuals per group, or something like that, and th- there was like some people had like. <laughs> I don't know. A red you, paper clip? Yeah. yeah. One, pit, one group had, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one group had like a pen. Uh, the other group had, you know, just some stuff. And then there was a couple groups that did really well. Um, I was lucky enough to, you know me, I'm not afraid to talk to anyone or ask anyone for anything. Uh, and then thankfully somehow I accidentally got paired with three other people that were just like me. Nice. And so we kind of, we actually, um, to take another parable that goes along with this, we actually took a few minutes and we just stayed in the room to plan. What do, what do we think we could do? Where could we go to get the biggest bang for our buck? Well, everyone else just kind of ran out right away. So we sharpened the ax. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we went out, we ended up with, um, started with a bag of coffee. Then we, uh, at Patichu right next door to the hotel, we were doing this training and then traded up. Anyways, we had a sports memorabilia package that was literally worth by the time we got done with this, that was worth $2,500 um, just from all the different stuff that we ended up collecting. We got on the radio, we got on WIBC <laughs> with Dan Dockich, like for real. He was like, what are you guys doing? That's crazy. Come on in here real quick. Well, um, I, they I, told him. I think, you know, even, even that, I mean, you say, so you have this package, whatever, 2,500 bucks. And what you essentially did is you traded that $2,500 value of the sports memorabilia package for a spot on the docket show, which is worth Lord knows how much money people are paying for that. So yeah. it doesn't end there. I think you're still, I mean, not still, but you know what I yeah. mean? You're, you're still trading up in values. Yeah. Degree with that stuff. That's cool. So, but it's just, so when you, so when you talk about, you know, that, you know, when you do those obscure things or those bold things, you know, it's amazing what you can actually come up with. I can go on and on, but that, that was the, the first step for me where it's like, ah, okay, now, now I, I sort of get it. Yeah. And uh, to continue my, my, again, my story is nothing fancy, but, you know, went to school 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. Where'd you go to school? A uh, little Catholic school called Xavier Basketball oh. School in Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati is an awesome city. Love Cincinnati. Yeah. But went to Cincinnati for four years, came right back. But, you know, the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to graduate when we be, be broke. I mean, that was the height of the financial crisis when I was there. So 09, 10, 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I wasn't going to walk out and grab a job anytime soon. So it's like, I'm going to graduate with a hundred some odd thousand bucks in student debt. You know, I'm already broke. Let's do something bold and see what happens. Let's buy our first handful of houses. You know, if we can get some schmuck to lend us money, and that's their problem, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's what we did. We bought our first, or my, my say we, my brother and I, uh, my twin brother Clay and I uh, do everything 50-50 and uh, put our names together and kind of both jumped into our first couple of houses and they worked and one led to two, led to 10, led to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and here we are. So that, again, that stupid thing with the van, the fact that my parents were cool enough to just say, oh, whatever, let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, led to me having the gig that I have today, which is really cool to think about. That's well, really cool. That's cool of them too, to allow that and then kind of let that um, grow in you by, by saying, Hey, you know what? You're crazy, but you know, give, give it a run. And that's my favorite thing to throw back in their face too. Is like, Oh, you're scared about it. Cool. It means it's going to work. So, so yeah. <laughs> that works for some parents. It doesn't work for others. <laughs> 
I.E. Adam is a parent, right? Look into this camera right now. <laughs> Kids, listen here. Now, so so tell us a little bit about your business then. What do you, uh, what do you guys do? So my group, I um, uh, have two different groups uh, that work in tandem. Uh, Midwest Cash Offer is our seller-facing magnet. So my group, uh, the most uh, succinct way that I've found to describe it is we are a pawn shop for real estate. Okay. Uh, okay. We help people liquidate an illiquid asset. We buy for A, we sell for A plus B. Oftentimes, much like someone who has a you know 1800s penny or something or a dollar bill with Martha and George Washington both on it or something, um, they don't know what's worth. They don't care what it's worth. They want to get it out of their house, liquidate it. They know it's worth something. Give me some money. Give me out of dodge. Give me the hell out of dodge. Yeah. Um, we do that with real estate, and we turn around. And we resell. We resell these properties to investors for the most part. Um, Clay and I also operate a third kind of a two point five uh, uh, company of ours. It's the Manship Foundation. It's a IRS uh, chartered 501c3 that focuses exclusively on affordable housing. Okay. So a big passion of ours. Uh, we think everyone deserves the opportunity to buy a home, um, not the obligation, which is where a lot of people are at now is, oh, I got to buy a house. It's part of the American dream. Yeah. And we can dive into that later. But um, Midwest Cash Offer helps uh, sellers. Mainstay Property Group, its sister company, helps investors. So Midwest, Ca- Midwest Cash Offer finds sellers. Mainstay finds investors. We bridge that gap. Uh, and we take a spread for doing so. Um We'll do four or five million dollars uh, in in revenue every year. We have twenty four folks on staff. We're in Southern Broad Ripple, and we have a lot of fun doing it. We've got a really really similar office cool. here. It's not quite as cool, but uh, it's pretty cool, man. You've, yeah, yeah, you've been yeah, there. Yeah, I've been in That's there. Right. I've been in. I stuck magnets all over your office. I remember that. I still got one sitting downstairs. <laughs> I saw it today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, that's really cool. Yeah. So real estate's the name of the game. But again, uh, I'm I'm a I'm a finance nerd. Uh, that's where my background is. And um, Dave Ramsey guy, not a the believer in debt at all. So, uh, and, and we know we're leaving money on the table with what we do, but, um, we, we sleep pretty well at night knowing that we don't know anybody, anything. So that's just yeah. a personal belief of mine. And that's cool. Um, yeah. So we like real estate. We like the culture things huge for us. We got a really, really, really tight knit group of people that we, we work alongside a lot of folks I've known since I could you know, barely shoot a basketball. Which is fun. So, uh, yeah, it's a neat, neat thing. And real estate's a fun industry to be in for sure. So let's, uh, since we're talking about it, um, I saw the car that you drove here. Let's go back to the car thing for a minute. You drove a hearse here. Yeah, that Uh, was interesting. Yeah. Again, bold move, Evan. (laughs) Bold move. Let's see if it pays off. uh, So so I I started asking you out there and then we were like, hold on, never mind. I don't want to (laughs) know. Like I'm going to ask you on the podcast, what's the deal with the hearse? First things first, I guess I, I learned at a really, I don't say young age, but, you know, I was 16 when I started doing this van thing. Yeah. And I noticed that, you know, the more we opened our mouths, the more we showed up, the more you just did weird, cool, out there things, this podcast yeah. included. Yeah. You get someone's eyeballs to open once. You get someone's mouth to open once. It's worth it already. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's kind of the where it all started from an obscure vehicle standpoint. Yeah. 1992 Plymouth Crane Voyager. But uh, I've always been interested in obscure, <laughs> obscure vehicles because they're fun. But uh, we had a, a warehouse that uh, we own in Fountain Square. Um, can I tell stories? Is that okay? I don't want yeah, to do yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's what, exactly what we're here They've to heard do. us talk enough. Man. I, I don't want to do a, get too anecdotal here, but uh, had a warehouse owned in Fountain Square, leased it to a gentleman right before COVID. Yeah. Um, he is a licensed mortician in Indianapolis, but uh, he was not performing true mortician duties. So for those of you not familiar with the mortician side of things, that's full-blown embalming, um, doing all the the weird stuff that kind of makes it creepy, right? Um, in the lease, you know, we made that super clear. He's not going to do any mortician stuff, no embalming, no bodies, no nothing. He's just performing uh, funeral ceremonies in empty casket type situations, have people to the warehouse. Hi, hey, how you doing? Hugs, kisses, leave some flowers, adios, right? Got mm-hmm. it. So COVID... I, I, just because my mind is not going to be able to let me move on past this point. So when you say warehouse and and mortician services on the light side, I'm literally thinking of like, remember the warehouse from uh, Public Enemy <laughs> that he has to go hide in for a little bit? Like, So tell me what this warehouse looks like. This warehouse, uh, I say warehouse, and people are probably thinking like those Amazon, like million square foot warehouse, like concrete tilt. I'm thing, thinking of some old bad. decrepit building with people like kind of coming in and out. So it's not quite that, but it's the next step up. Okay. So it's like a 1,800 square foot A-frame on slab. Uh, 
metal sided building. Okay. You know, okay. Maybe that's you know, it's, a, it's a flex space essentially, just a little flex suite. Yeah, flex okay. uh, for dead people. Yeah. For dead people. No. Yeah. <laughs> people are dying to get in. Uh, <laughs> oh, the, got him. Da-da. Where's Where's the button? Yeah. Where, where's Where's the drum roll, Durango? You got it. Uh, the time's passed. I, 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 I got another joke coming. Don't worry. About it. Uh, <laughs> so we we leased it to this guy. Um, we bought like the, the, this. There are two acres, eight properties. One of which is the warehouse that we bought. Okay, it's in our portfolio. We're so we're leasing them out. We we're just doing the landlord thing. Yeah, yeah. lease it to this guy. Co- COVID comes, and uh, a lot of the properties that Clay and I own are near downtown or Fall Creek Place, Heron Morton, that type of area, just north of downtown. We worked a lot with nurses for some reason. It was, we were super heavy uh, concentration risk on, on nurses. Yeah. And if you recall during COVID, a lot of nurses got laid off or put on, uh, what, are they, what do they call it? Uh, furlough. Furlough, or whatever, yeah, whatever it was yeah, called. Yeah, but they yeah, got essentially yeah. said, come back later when COVID's done. Yeah. yeah. And uh, man, it sucked for a lot of those nurses because their income obviously dries up. Yeah, so, for a lot of people, but yeah. Yeah. But. And, and you know, especially for you think, you know, you're pretty safe if you're a nurse. Um, yeah. That is the crazy thing. I was like, how, like who's going to take care of people in the hospitals? And then, then they couldn't get enough nurses. Yeah, it was weird. It, it was, was a, it was a whole so weird. There was thing. like a ninety day period where everything was just messed yeah. up, right? Yeah. So uh, we decided to essentially waive rent payable from our tenants for two different months, May and June in twenty twenty, simply because we don't have a bank. No one's barking at our back. We had the ability to do it. It was you know just a, a little bit of a gift, and it caught on. The news got a hold of it and interviewed us and stuff. It was really neat, and not because it was a. And so it wasn't even a deferment. It was a true wave. True, you know, oh, that's awesome. Amnesty for for rent. Yeah, it was really cool, and we were happy to do it, but uh, not because it looked good to us, but because it felt it's the right thing to do. Yeah, it, we, we we could right right. So uh, the gentleman who was in this warehouse got wind of the fact that on the radio or on the news or whatever that we were saying, yeah, all of our tenants got free rent for two months. Nah, uh oh, and. You know, I was just kind enough to say, well, I didn't mean you, but well, sure. You know, just sure. Okay. Yeah. One led to two, two led to three, three led to four, four led to five. And it's like, man, you got to get that letter here. Like, yeah. yeah. Not paying, you just stop. You can't just, well, it's my warehouse. I'm, you know, uh, and whatever they, they call it, the squatter's rights type deal or whatever. Went on and on. I'm blabbing now, but long story short, fast forward to when we evicted the guy. He had a huge judgment that he owed us, you know, eight, nine thousand dollars And he said, well, I don't have the money. I don't have whatever. So here are the keys. Adios. Whatever's in there is yours hearse outside <laughs> so that hearse became my hearse simply because this gentleman didn't pay rent went through all his stuff got the title imported and domesticated here in indy it was a pennsylvania car so three months later got the hearse and said well it'd be kind of cool if we made this like a fun little obscure vehicle let's wrap it up <laughs> yeah. let's put some 22s on it and some speakers in the back and that's exactly what it is so <laughs> that's why i drove that car here fast forward oh, we evicted a guy who tried to play games and his hearse is now my made, hearse. you made lemonade out of lemons i like it yeah, sour yeah. lemonade, but it's, it's fun. Sour. It's, it's fun I don't lemonade. Know, to drink. Man, that's, yeah. pre- that's pretty dope. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so I'm just trying to keep up, man. I saw all the stuff outside with you guys, and I've always been impressed by your brand. So, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. <clears throat> that uh, again, I just keep going back to bold moves with you and, and rocking those 22s on on about a on the low pros. quarter inch low profile <laughs> tire. I was like, the, every rim has got to be bent. Because Do of the not go down Shelbyville Road of Indianapolis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Shelbyville Road, like there, there's a, a, a beam I, I saw. Now they have patched it recently, and 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 they they redid it. I think actually completely, but it was so bad and they kept putting little patches out there, and then they was gone. Yeah, right. a month. They used to have a meme where there was like a jeep in a pothole, <laughs> like like halfway gone. It's like yeah. a moon yeah. crater. On Shelbyville <laughs> Road. Yeah, it was so bad. Oh my gosh, it's, well, it's rough. I chipped a tooth the other day driving down. <laughs> Tough. Elmwood is worst. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was either that or try and drag out the big school bus that we have. And uh, that is really interesting to try and drive. And again, like everybody's got their own thing. Some people want, you know, this inside indoor pool or some big, you know, McLaren or something. And for me, yeah. it's like I have the ability to go drive a school bus to lunch. That means a lot, whole hell of a lot more to me than <laughs> some of the stuff. I get to come to the school office every day. So, yeah, we uh, we enjoy that stuff. And it really started with just doing bold things. If someone else is not doing it, chances are I want to be doing it simply for that reason. Alone. Yeah. So you said you got six of these kind of random cars or? or Yeah. Uh, we have, let's see. We so have, you got the bus and the hearse. We've got, we've got that. we got the bus and the hearse. We have three trucks, um, which, again, not really obscure, but they're just okay. fun to drive. And then we just got a little like 1970s Volkswagen Beetle. Uh-huh. Oh, that's which cool. It's got like the rear engine and everything. It's, yeah. oh, it's cool. It's yeah. really cool. We're trying to get it to run, but that's our next, that's our next project. So, so do those you like work on these speeds or something? 
I'm the least handy guy alive. Like, bad. Whoa, Second hold on. least handy. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> um, ask my wife. It's bad. So I can't change a light bulb. So no would be the short answer to that question. Gotcha. I can't work on a car in my life. No. Gotcha. But you got you got to know people. That's what it is. Yeah. Or pay people. Just got to know somebody that at least knows somebody. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. Durango? You're right. It's fact. Especially when it comes to like picking up closets and stuff like that. Like you got to know a guy for that. Picking up closets, I feel like that's a story on its own. Yeah, we should probably move on. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you talk about the culture of your business. That's something that's super important for us to. Um, and, you know, we're, we always talk about um, uh, our culture is there because we're intentional with it and we drive it. You know, we just we don't we don't really let it happen. We make it happen. And so, um, for you, what is, what does that look like? Well, our, our, our core value, that, that's a really cliche thing to say is our core values or our mission statement. I feel like, you know, that's some consultant somewhere blabbing right. in the wind. So I pick one of our core values. It really is like our core, 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 core value. And it kind of drives everything else that we do. And that's a domain enthusiasm. Um, and that's in everything that we do, whether that's your personal life or while you're sitting in the seat or, uh, anything that happens within the, the, uh, the walls of, of this building. Yeah is uh, enthusiastic. You know, we don't want people to come in here and ho-hum through life. That's not how we work. Right. So uh, we're intentional about making sure that the best way to find yourself in our building is to demand enthusiasm in any different part of your life. And certainly the best way to find yourself out is the the same reason. Yeah. So uh, we have core values. In fact, if you've, you've been to our office, we got them yeah. graffitied up on the, up on the, our, the cool. wall as soon as you walk in. And um, yeah, we have different outings every, uh, certainly twice a quarter, uh, just for that exact reason. No other reason whether we hit goal or not, just to make sure that those those items are uh, kept as top of mind as possible. Yeah, that's cool. So it's a really cool office, but you have to go visit it sometime. Yeah. They did a really good job decorating. Like I, you guys have like a map of the city too, if I remember right. Yeah, like, like right on the wall of all the different things. Yeah, so I've I've been a Monopoly guy since I've been a little kid, and yeah. I, back in the day I didn't know what a mortgage was or what a you know houses, hotels, whatever. It was some fun game. Yeah. Um, but we were in my wife and I were in uh, the Canary Islands, and we're sitting there in the pool. We'd had too much to drink, and it was, you know, you should make a big Monopoly map of all the different neighborhoods in Indianapolis. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of genius. That's kind of yeah. genius. <laughs> I like that. So what Aaron's talking about is I've got a wall probably this size, that's maybe a little cool. bit a little bit bigger. And it's a big map of the city with different, you know, Monopoly cards for Eco Creek and Carmel. And, oh, you know, that's and, fantastic. Yeah, Monument Circle. Yeah. So uh, just to kind of give investors and vendors and whoever else just kind of a reminder of where we're at, what we do, what we, what yeah. we believe in, and all that nonsense. Yeah. I'm going to have to find a really weird vehicle to drive over there and, and uh, go take a look at their office. I got a couple you can borrow, too. That's... Uh, we got to show I feel up like I need now. to impress you now. Yeah, we got to show up with something where you're going to be like... Okay. All right. I see what's going on here. You show up with an indie roof El Camino or something like that. I think that's going to be an El Camino. Man, I haven't seen one of those for a while. I, I passed I, one the I, I passed one when I go to my parents' house. It's a '69 too, and it's yeah. that's sick. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. It's it's rusty, but man, I would love to get my hands on that. I'm, I'm, you'd I'll have to get, stop. You'd have to get a mullet too, though, if you got that. Just like floating my, the wind, my, windows. My kids down. rock it, so Your why kids can't do I? Have a mullet. It's back in style, man. So you got. Yeah, get but they say when if it was in style when you were young, and then it goes out of style, and it comes back into style, you're not allowed to do it. Is that uh, true? That's that's the thing, I guess. So, uh, which our, I never had a mullet. Our friend, one of my friends, uh, Billy Supple. Uh, I met him through my wife. He's the one that drops all this stone at the property oh, yeah. with all that stuff. Um, he's had a mullet forever. And uh, I think his wife said something on Facebook or whatever. She's like, well, if mullets are back in style, Billy's been in style <laughs> since 91 <laughs> or 87 or whatever it is. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, but me. It, it, it's funny. Culture, to, to go back to it, like even little things like that are – are so unique. Every person's got their own little personality, at least in our office. And certainly the same, we, we've been joking about your folks since I've been here. Yeah. But, uh, in the, in, in the best way, like just being able to take that personality and not really put borders around, okay, you can't act like this and you can't say this. And there are lines, right? Yeah. As business operators or whatever, like we all know there are lines, but you kind of have to give people their own, you, you can't put too many guardrails around or they're not going to be them and they're not going right. to stick around. And we found that out the hard way. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're still trying to figure out what makes that perfect. But, you know, if you can let someone kind of run on their own time frame, their own schedule, their own way of doing and saying things like that's their own life. That's them. And you're actually hiring them instead of the ghost version of what they could be. And yeah. I think that's been a pretty fruitful thing for us. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think that that's a, a ton of validity in that. I was reading something not too long ago that said um, the best thing that you can do for a team member to help them be more creative or even just a team in general is to try to have meetings 
um, outside while you're walking, which is only works for like six months out of the year for us with where we live. But, um, you know, doing that kind of thing to, to get people to just kind of be them authentic, their, to be their authentic selves, um, and finding ways to do that because it's, it's again, you hired them for what you saw in them and you want them to be them. Right. Not some, you know, okay, we call it the ghost version of themselves, but that's, that's the first thing that we start noticing when people are, you know, they got a foot out the door is they start to kind of retreat into what they're, what you, what they think you want them to be and not who they actually are. Yeah. And we've saved God. We've saved. That's interesting. We've that's saved, really we've saved interesting. Half a dozen people, including a woman who, uh, we, we can go on and on about this today where it's like, Hey, something's going on. Let's go talk. Let's go gra- grab a beer at lunch and just full transparency. You know, no, yeah. no guardrails. What's going on? No, and that's a, that's a great observation. I, I've just thinking on many situations where that is exactly what happens. And this, and it's, again, they're great robot, but we didn't hire a robot, right? We hired a person. Yeah. So, um, anyway, if there's, if there's one thing we're good at, we're bad at plenty, but we're very good at kind of identifying that and trying to save those situations. It's funny that this came up. We were, um, we have a trader in working with our team, uh, for the next four days. And that's one of the main things that he was talking about that it's so important to be successful is you can't have two versions of yourself. You can't have a home version and a work version right? You got to be yourself. Otherwise it's an entire thing where you're just putting up this facade of about who you think people want you to be. And by being yourself, people know that and they let their guard down and relaxes and lets, lets them in. And, and it's, it's, I don't say catastrophic, but certainly it's, it's detrimental to be put polite, politely because there's no winning for them in either side of it. They're the, they're the, they're the personal self at work, which is bad. And they're the work self at home, which is bad. And they're constantly battling against themselves to figure out what that is. So I think a trainer would go a long way. And um, something that we implemented back in October is we have what we call our director of personnel now. Yeah. Who, again, he's not a, a trained sales coach, but he's more of a little bit of a life coach. You know, mm-hmm. we're bringing in these guys who are uh, a lot of the times working on, on damn near straight commission on some of the stuff. And, you know, they have a lot of, they, they got mouths to feed and lives to live. So how, how do they make the most out of a situation where they have expectations that are sky high they got to learn this, do this, act this way, but simultaneously don't be a robot. Go. Yeah. You know, it's like that's a hard thing to do when you're yeah. 22 years old, you know, yeah. coming right out of school. So um, we've put a lot of time and effort, certainly recently, into doing that over the last year. And we've we've saved, again, I'm talking like I'm Jesus or something, but uh, we've we've really put a lot of effort into our people, and it's it's been proven fruitful. Yeah. I'll share a phrase with you that will, that will help you, and that is that businesses don't grow, people do. And when you focus on your people, your business can't help it grow. And similarly, I agree with that. And thanks for sharing. I've, I've, I heard from a, a gentleman who I respect very highly, runs an identical uh, company to mine out of Washington, D.C., $30 million a year company, you know, six times the size of mine. I'm sitting here thinking I put you know, time and money into people. And you see, you know, people don't leave uh, jobs, they leave managers. Same, yeah. same story, right? The yep. second your manager makes you a ghost yourself, deuces, you're out. So, uh, again, I think... tactically tangibly what we've done that's made us different than a lot of the other folks in our industry is we put the time, we, we, we take the time to train them. We take the time to put pour into them personally. Right. Yeah. Um, we had a gentleman who had his, uh, our director of personnel had his, uh, his little girl, um, uh, two months ago and he's on his second month of paternity leave. So giving them the time to be a person first so they can come and they can be an employee after, you know, live to work or work to live, not live to work. Right. Um, is hard for me because I'm a, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a hard ass when it comes to some of this stuff, but you have to be, you know. So uh, that's my my soapbox, but it's been the last year and a half really focusing on what makes that fruitful. Uh, that's really cool, and it's you know we we love talking to and being partnered with in some way, even if it's just friendly conversation or or you know more more than just a conversation as an engagement, but being with like minded business owners um, that do have a focus on on people, it's key. Um, I, I think it's, how do you manage, this is something that, you know, a lot of businesses face when you, when you do have a focus on people, but then you, um, um, you come down to kind of brass tacks where that, you know, that doesn't eliminate completely tough conversations either and performance conversations and all that. And I think sometimes it's easy to kind of like, well, you know, you just have to be people focused only. And you got to just, if they have a bad one month, one quarter, one half year, one full year, like it is what it is. You're a people business. Well, you still have to, you still have to manage, you still have to coach, you still have to perform because all businesses exist to make a profit. How do you guys manage that balance? We've been terrible about it for a long time. And I, it's, it's a, it's, I think it's in, you know, I'm an optimist, I'm an entrepreneur. 
we've been successful. So top of mind, it's like, here's what I've done that's so great. I've poured into people. we got the cars and the office and the culture. Man, we are terrible at hard conversations. Horrible mm-hmm. at hard conversations. And you show me someone who is a good performer and a bad manager, I'll show you a company that's not going to succeed. Yeah. So I've learned that the hard way. We've got our ass kicked dozens of times from people who can't manage people. And um, our previous COO is a terrific example. Um, we have a handful of leaders right now that struggle with that. With, oh, well, you know, he so inside. And again, I'm, I'm not blasting soccer practice or kids or anything else, but it's, man, like if there's always an excuse you got to make for someone, they ain't the guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it's okay to sit there and, and have a public execution of sorts. Like, look, this is just not working. And kindly yeah. <laughs> exit, you yeah. know. It's a, and the thing about it is, too, with having those tough conversations, it it actually frees up. I had I had a leader teach me this years ago. That person's not enjoying life either. Like right. they're feeling the pressure. And when you invite them to leave, sometimes it's as much as a freedom for them. It doesn't feel that way in the moment. It, of course, never feels that way in the moment. But I've literally I've had people where you know you you see them a year later and like, hey, just wanted to say thanks so much for for helping me get on and into a job that I now love right? and I'm living my best life because of it. And, you know, you kind of set that path up. I would argue that 90% of the people who have had conversations like that, they're at the end of that why in the road anyway, like they they must make a decision Yeah, and they're leaning strongly one way. So that conversation has to happen. The fact that it's hard for us is simply just a psychological thing. Yeah. Um, But sometimes you you want it more for the other person than they want it for themselves. And that's what we found. That's what makes it tough. Massively. Massively. So we're terrible about that. And that's the biggest piece of what our goal is in 2023 is to be better about managing people. Yeah. Because Midwest Cash Offer and Main State Property suck. I hope my, my my people watch this. We suck at having hard conversations. Yeah. It's the hardest thing to do. Change is scary, man. And I think that's where a lot of those roadblocks come in. Like, um, to your point, like, they probably know that, hey, I should be doing something else or I want to do something else. But the fear holds them back from changing anything. And, and so, um, I think you come to terms, like I always use this as an example. I've, I, I've tried to have more honest conversations and I'm, I'm bad at, at that too. So I'm with you. Um, but I'm trying to have more honest conversations these days. I made a commitment to Adam. If there's something like I don't like or, or that I'm concerned about, I'll talk to him. He's done the same thing to me. So now instead of sitting around and just being like, Oh, I can't believe Adam did that. Yeah. That son of a bitch and me boiling, you know, or something <laughs> like that, which honestly didn't have much. I'm just as an example, uh, you know, and then I just go, Hey man, you know, what do you think about this? It's the same example of like, you ever have a, like an argument with somebody, whether it be a significant other or a friend, and you're just like, I hate that son of a bitch. I hope he dies. Ah. <laughs> and then you have a conversation with them, and you're like, you know what, dude? They're, they're really not that bad. You said to have a conversation. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it's, it's, it's amazing what comes to light when you just have an open and honest conversation, as hard as they are. As hard as they are. But once you, it's it, the hardest part about the conversation is starting it. Once you start talking, Typically, things open up. You start understanding other people's opinions. You start digging into real problems. And most of the time, it's not even the real problems. Like, oh, I hate that son of a bitch's gray, dark gray shirt. I like light gray. <laughs> but really, it's because I don't like his face. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? It's not the shirt at all. Especially because you face. bought this one for me. So <laughs> hold on. <laughs> well, it, it's funny. Like, even, because it, you're right. There's so much of that that applies professionally, but also personally. Yeah, yeah personally and, as well. Absolutely. And, and my wife and I, just last night, similar conversations. She's like, you know, yeah. we... We were opening an event venue. I'm not sure if you knew that or not. No. Actually, no. You guys, did, you guys uh, bid out that roof for us. Oh, you guys yeah, bid out that yeah, roof yeah. Okay. We're still messing yes. with that damn thing. Cool. So, uh, is that in Green something? Greensburg. Yeah, Greensburg. Okay. One of the greens. One of the greens. Green Castle, Greenwood, yeah. Greenfield, Greensburg. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're in, it's in Greensburg, and, and she's like, you know, we, you know, we've taken all the vast majority of our savings and poured it into this big thing. It's in a great project. It's going to be profitable. But man, that was a fun bank account to look at for a long time, and now it's like, what are we doing? You so, know? so you start having these weird conversations. Yeah. Like, hey, and, the, and again, getting that kicked off was the hardest thing for her. And I didn't even bring it up. It was my yeah. wife. Yeah. And my wife's twice as smart as all of us put together. You know, she's extremely type A. She yeah. knows what she wants, knows how to get it. And she struggled to bring it up. Yeah. That I am telling you for everyone listening right now and for all the gentlemen in this room that the, the cause of and solution to all life's problems are centered around communication. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you look at, I don't care if it's the political climate you want to talk about, which I don't want to talk about that. Uh, I don't care if it's uh, business or relationship or whatever. Most of the time it's because someone is, uh, we just don't know how to have that conversation. 
uh, or how to start it or how to bring it up. And most of the time, to your point, Aaron, once the conversation's brought up, yep. it's it's easy to have, but it it's like, man, goes. I don't, and it probably comes from a good place, right? Like, oh, right. I don't want to hurt the person's feelings. But, you know, what I've learned from a leadership perspective is number one, leadership's in the moment. And so, you know, Durango, maybe you can attest to this or not, but like, if there's something small, I, I try to intentionally find things sometimes that are small adjustments or tweaks that need to be made with people that I get to work with, just so they're used to me giving them advice or tweaks or adjustments to make. Because in that way, whenever there's big things that need to change, they accept it as just what it is. It's feedback. It's not reprimanding. It's not. Um, it, it's not a hard conversation for me to have. And hopefully, my hope is that it's not as hard of a conversation to hear on the other side as well. Because again, that that feedback is just constantly there. And so, um, but I, I I think again, a lot of things in life, if people would just be willing to have a conversation in the first place. You can find common ground. You'll find the common ground and the solution to whatever it is. I think, and and to your point, I I can talk about this forever because this is something my wife and I butt heads on sometimes is how bringing up the conversation is just one thing, but how's the other person interpreted? Mm -hmm. You would talk about something, again, if we're being fully transparent, I am terrible at receiving feedback. I got to be Mr. Man all the time. So when that's brought up to me, it's a, well, it's a direct assault. And and we have employees, you know, we have type, we're a sales shop just like you guys are, right? So you get type A guys, sales guys, KPIs, the whole thing. You, you, you got to close. And having that conversation and making sure they're receptive to it, that's a delicate dance. Yeah. And you got to have the right leader in place to have those conversations or else that gets really hairy really fast. So yeah. salute to you. It seems like you guys have found the, the magic sauce of making it happen. I don't know. That it's, it's, a constant, it's a constant work. And Durango, I, I, I kind of think I saw you nodding along over there. Does it work when I do that? Or are you like, bro, you, yeah, you do that, but it's <laughs> terrible. Uh, okay, he's nodding along for those who can't see him. Um, yeah, you know, feedback is I'm, I'm I've used to be where it was really tough for me to get feedback and even sometimes depending on what it is if it's something if somebody gives me feedback on something that I know that I struggle with, it's hard for me to hear it. Same. Um that's the one that hurts. If someone gives me feedback on like, "Hey, you know, you're 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 terrible at um pool." Pool. Like that hurts me because I know that I'm terrible at pool. So this is exactly <laughs> the kind of example. Thanks, Aaron. Aaron uh, gave me a nice little but, wink as soon as he said that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if it's something that I don't even know bad, that I'm bad about, I'm like, oh, cool. Thanks for the feedback. It's, it's not bad. Um, but what I've learned to do is anytime somebody offers me feedback as much as I possibly can, I just try to smile at them and say thank you. And then, yeah. and then I go back and internalize it. And sometimes I marinate on it and, and marinate another word that I would use is sometimes I'll just stew on it. And like, what did they mean by that? Here's the, th- I think though on that at the time, sometimes even it can hurt, mm-hmm. but I think if you really think about it later on, it really, it should have been said, you know yeah. what I mean? Cause these are things that you work on. Like you ever, Oh, what did Deshaun say just a little bit ago? Everyone wants to be a diamond, but nobody wants to be cut. Uh, this is perfect. I mm. love that. I love that. No, but like if you have ever listened to a recording of yourself and then you're like, how many times? Do I sound like that? Yeah, how many times did I say these things are selling like hotcakes? Like, <laughs> I'm never saying that again. Right. But like just by hearing these things, like you could improve yourself. And that same thing applies to other people giving you uh, constructive uh, feedback. Um, you know, it may hurt or sting or cut. Thanks to Sean. Um, you know, but it's going to eventually um, make you better. That's where this thing all stemmed is uh, we were we were talking about our uh, soon-to-be event venue, which I can dive into or not, but same story. You know, I'm Mr. Business Guy, Mr. Entrepreneur, Mr. Real Estate, where this is, a, in the theory, a perfect culmination of all those things. But, man, I don't know anything about running an event venue. Yeah. Anything, right? And I'm looking at you because I know Derek's in the middle of one in, in, er, uh, on in Franklin. One in Franklin. Yeah, in Franklin, yeah. And a uh, similar situation. His is a church, mine's a church, so converted in a neat little spot in a county seat, like, eerily comparable business guy. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking like, watch, you know, Derek can do it. You know, I can do it. And I'm not near the entrepreneur. Derek Christie is, but he doesn't know anything about running an event center either though. And that's the thing. He's going to, he's going to lease it out. So that's where, I don't know if we're headed that direction, but, but you know, to have those conversations and to have my wife of all people extremely smart gets it. She's like, well, you don't know anything about running an event venue business. And to hear that, man, that, that, that's the cut. Ouch. That's alcohol in a, a gaping <laughs> wound, man. Like, what do you mean? That's why we're here. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's personally, that's a difficult thing for me to overcome. But if I can learn how to receive that feedback, I think it'll be better at, better for me, and I've become better at it, 
by having those difficult conversations with yeah. with my, my my people. I think we have that in common, though. Me and you are both more of like the if you build it, they will come type of people. Like mm-hmm. just jump in with both feet, and I didn't even look down. <laughs> I literally did that. I, wow, I realized my heart's thumping right I, now. I, just, I realized this is <laughs> emotion <yeah>. logic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I this is actually the physical embodiment of that. I was in Jamaica on my honeymoon with my wife, and we went four wheeling, and we were covered in mud, and I wasn't thinking. And at the end, they were like, "Hey, does anybody want to jump off this cliff into the water down here?" And I didn't <laughs> nothing even shady look. about that. At I all, just huh? took off running and dove over head first. It was a joke. And then I, I was like, that, "I seriously, I was like, what the fuck did I just do?" And like I'm looking down, like, "Thank God it's water." And then I came up, and uh, I'm fine, and whatever. Nobody else jumped, not one person. I didn't even <laughs> look. I did not hesitate. I didn't jump feet first. I jumped head first. Was and, it a huge? Uh, was it a huge like cliff? Yeah, it was probably a thirty banger. Oh. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, dude. Uh, and uh, I did yeah, the 15-foot diving board I, the other day at Freedom Park and was like, this is terrible. I had shoes on still. <laughs> the guy was like a photographer at the end. Like, I got that CD somewhere. I'll see if I can find our uh, DVD. Throw, throw that up there, Durango. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see if fun. Whitney, so I'll, can you find it? Yeah. So <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, one last thing on this topic. This, this has been a lot of fun just uh, for anyone else that's, that's – um, you know, it kind of struggles with that, which I think we all do. And, and, you know, it's acceptance is the first step, right, of of anything. Uh, something that Aaron and I uh, committed to each other, which he kind of started on this path. I thought he was going to go down that way. But um, while there is no emotion and while there is no topic even, he and I have agreed to, like, on, on a once-a-month basis, Aaron, I need your feedback so I can become better because, you know, I've kind of become a feedback junkie now at this point. And so, you know, hey, I want you to give me one thing that you think I'm doing really well in and one thing that you think that I could be doing better. And so now I'm asking for that feedback before it's in a moment. So now I know um, on a monthly basis when we sit down and have this conversation in my mind, it's, hey, number one, I asked for this. So don't get mad about anything that I get or offended or anything else. I got a blank check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, well, calm down. But right. what's cool about that, too, is and not that it was planned this way or anything. He said, hey, I love that. Will you do the same thing for me as well? And so now we kind of have this dialogue on a regular basis where, um, hey, we, it, it's just expected in our in our regular dialogue and conversation that we're going to give each other feedback. Where are we where are we doing well? I think we're both pretty motivated. We don't necessarily need a lot of pats on the back, and yet everyone likes a pat on the back. Um, and then at the same time, like, hey, here's 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 where a miss might have been or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. and to your point about acceptance too, is this this is just an arrogance thing on my end and. I accept that I'm bad at this. And I've said that to my wife. I've said that to my people. You know, um, if this is something I get mad about behind the scenes without having communication with you, then I've failed, right? Yeah, right. You, know, you, you shouldn't have to ask me because I'm the leader. I'm the guy. So, um, man, that, that took a long, it took years for me to kind of get around to it, just accepting that I'm bad at that. But uh, it's it's done wonders over the last handful of months where, where, like you said, if you can just be open to it and ask for it on a regular basis – um, it, it'll change pretty quickly. Yeah, the good the good news for that is with you or me or Adam or Durango or anybody watching, you know, all of these things once they're identified and accepted, they're all stuff that can be worked on and yeah. fixed and improved. And like, and some of it comes with age. Like, obviously, my brain now works completely different than it did five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, so, I mean, it's, I feel like some of it's came with age in general. And then some of it's came from things that I've worked hard on because um, I wanted to improve, you know, from, from reading and studying going to courses and working on myself. But um, you have to be willing to listen, um, put aside your ego and, and work on these things and improve. Oh, that's cool. That's good stuff. Hey, let me uh, let me ask you this. So you know, you're in the housing industry and and all of that. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of questions and uncertainty and a the housing market in general and just you know the finance in general. Where's uh where's your mind at as things go? Whether that's uh, from a nationwide perspective or even just here locally in the Indiana area. I love getting these questions. Um, I've never been asked it on a podcast before, and I refuse to put this stuff in writing. So it's funny. This is going to be recorded and published. Anyone wants? Yes. Um, <laughs> I tell my folks all the time. By the way, this is a this is an Evan Manship special. If it's not in writing, it didn't happen. So you're talk about anything else. Uh, so for the first time ever, my thoughts here candidly. Um, I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, obviously, uh, which is a lame answer. But um, I got a I got a degree in economics and finance. Um, 
big fan of keep it simple, stupid. You'll see my stuff on Facebook all the time. Basics is the motto that we have, basics. The basic principle behind where we're at now in the housing market, whether the interest rates are skyrocketing or people can't build new stuff and supply costs are through the roof, um, is exactly that. Supply is supply and demand. Um, a lot of people, um, probably people sitting in this room, have mortgages that are you know, locked in at 25 3 3.5%, 3 4%, and they will never sell their home. Why? What are you going to buy, right? Um, hell, you guys were looking at a new place a handful of months ago just the same way, and it's like, well... You know, if you got to sell what you have now to go and, and tackle something at a 7 8 9% interest rate for the people that don't have the luxury of paying cash for things, uh, what are you going to buy, genuinely? Yeah. So supply will continue to stay low, in my opinion, uh, which means demand will outpace supply, which means there's constantly going to be a uh, some element of uh, increased demand, or at least that differential, that delta between supply and demand will always be in demand's favor. Until, uh, again, not to make this political, but until uh, local governments grow up and let people buy, develop, and build more things. So uh, I'm a build new affordable housing at all costs uh, type guy. And until they give the green light for developers and builders, construction people to build, to grow, to put more density behind things, I think we're in a perpetual cycle of demand continuing to outpace supply simply by nature of population growth. So uh, interest rates, some interest rates, you know, put them at 8 9 10%, see what happens. You'll ruin the economy before you get new people in houses. But uh, I think we'll see yeah. another, uh, I think today, right? Today we'll get another 25-point raise in interest rates, and then um, it'll go back to 4 4 5% before too long. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts? The, the part that I can't wrap my head around, and, and you know, I'm sure it's got to be localized, it's, well, it's probably got to be a little bit of immigration. It's got to be maybe a little bit of just people becoming of home buying age. But then most of it, I kind of have this theory of it is here in the Indianapolis market or Indiana market even in general is, you know, when COVID hit and all these big businesses figured out how to let people work from home, everyone said, all right, cool. I don't have to be by this office anymore. I can be in a different state. I can be in a different, um, just in a different location altogether. Right. right? And so uh, I'm guessing question mark. I haven't studied the population of Chicago and New York and LA and all that kind of stuff. But again, from what I see, just from a political climate, it seems like a lot of people are moving out of the cities and then buying kind of more in, in States like Indiana. Is that we, we've, always, think? we've always had out-of-state investors. That's where we've spent a lot of our time and effort. Is, you know, these dentists in Seattle who will you know, make a million bucks a year or whatever. Um, but that's not a lot of money in Seattle. You know, so they want to take their fee money, what we call fee money, and place it into investment income in more affordable places where the ROI is higher, i.e. the hillbilly Midwest, which is where we yeah. find ourselves today. Um, that being said, you guys would be dumbfounded by how many people just said, why would I invest there when I can just move there? full-blown move there. And I'm talking uproot families, uproot lives, uproot careers, uproot, you name it. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, uh, a, a dozen folks that I know that just, I mean, we're talking 25 years old to 50 years old that just said, later, we're going to move on from our, our the life we built and the families we've known in Sacramento and just start a new a wow. new life in the in the crossroads. Yeah, so it's uh, it's that's becoming more of a thing. Mm. Um and I can't fathom that. But again, we've not been in that situation where our mortgage payment's $12,000 a month. So uh, I, th I think uh, the market is kind of making people make weird decisions that they otherwise wouldn't make. But at the same time, people are opening their eyes to affordability kind of runs the world now. Yeah. yeah. And they, I mean, I get it. I get it. I mean, you see some of these tax rates in these major metropolitan areas and it's just like, yeah, I don't want to, I think mean, over half your paycheck's gone when you get it, man. And it's just... Bananas, I, like California people. Are One of my closest cousins, and, and this is a, uh, again, this is a personal anecdote here, but this is a, this this kind of bodes to what my, my thought process is here with the difference between even Indianapolis and Chicago, two Midwestern cities, right. relatively large. Um, Cook County, Illinois, property tax rate, depending where you're at, it's 9%. Right? Yeah. The property values are outrageous, right? So you can have a million dollar condo, right? 9% was a $90,000 a year divided by 12 is what? Eight, eight grand ish? Seven grand? A year, yeah. or, I'm sorry, a month, as long as you're around, just in property, it's never going to happen. Like you can never get rid of it. Ever that is ever, a ever ever. <laughs> Who sings that song? You got to be mine. Yeah, so that's not sustainable. We're, we're, the, the sustainable thing is is again, everyone's struggling with it, but affordability is huge. Yeah, uh, yeah, we just got our three uh, percent tax bill for this building. It's like 
How's that so, looking? Yeah, it's, it's not fun. But it's not 9%. Silver lining. This conversation just went down the tubes real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for, and he's talking actually for residential. That's residential. It's got to be yeah, for commercial. I don't even want to know. So that means the rents are insane, you know, because you got to cover that stuff because the owners aren't paying it. They're passing it right on to the tenants. Yeah, that's nuts. That's yeah. nice. I can go on and on about it. My first gig out of, out of, out of college was doing property tax stuff. Yeah. And I always ask the question, why aren't we in Chicago? Why aren't we in Chicago? And they're like, it's crooked. It's crooked. Don't even ask questions. It's crooked. Yeah. And you start looking into it a little bit, and it's like, it's it's not even like hidden and crooked anymore. It's just flat That's out That's the, the open part crooked. that I hate about what? politics these days is they don't, they don't even try to hide it anymore. It's just yeah. like, yeah, we're just taking your money. Yeah. Mm. It's got like sunglasses and a fake mustache yeah. on it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's why we're in, that's why we're in Indiana, baby. <laughs> exactly. Well, hey, uh, one last thing here before we wrap up. Um, we've talked, I think, a little bit about it with the cars and some of the things that you like. But obviously, we talk uh, we've talked a lot about the business side and leadership side of things. But um, what do you what do you really enjoy for fun? Obviously, you've got the the new baby girl at home. But uh, besides that, what are what are some hobbies and things that you like to do in your in your spare time? How do you play harder? I guess is the. Uh the thing here. Man, that's a good question. Um, I'm a big college, I'm a big college basketball guy. So okay. March is a federal holiday for our office. It feels like, uh, quite literally, we give everyone off the Thursday and Friday of March Madness. Simply oh, okay. so I don't have to work and I can just watch. We have everyone over for. He does it for you guys. Not yeah, for that's right. yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. my people. Uh, <laughs> but we, we we open the doors of the office and have a bunch of vendors and stuff, and we just get food catered in, and we get a couple of kegs, and we just kind of hang out, and watch basketball. So basketball is a big part of my life. That's cool. Uh, certainly college basketball. I'm a uh, recovering three putter. So golf is, I've never heard. That. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Full, right, full transparency. I read yeah. that on Twitter, but I like it's the truth. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. like to golf. I am terrible at golf, so <laughs> it's one of those things. I guess it's like doing Sudoku or something. You know, it's yeah. not. It's fun, but it's not. Uh, so I like the golf, and then mainly fam- family's uh, super important to me. I'm an extrovert. You know, I love going hanging out with my wife, hanging out with uh, with a little one, and I'm a twin, identical twin. So I got a built-in business partner, best friend, everything, yeah. everything I do, which is super fun. So yeah. uh, big family guy, big golf guy, Midwestern hillbilly, man. Let's grill a steak, hang out by the pool, and that's the best type of afternoon. Yeah, I'll like, tell that's you awesome. What, that's awesome, man. Do you uh, – so I don't know that I've ever had the opportunity to talk to a, a – are you identical or what do we got going on here? Twin. <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean by the second uh, question. Well, <laughs> I, I just – are you you and your brother, are you identical yeah, twins? identical, or? yeah. Yeah, okay. We, apparently that means we share DNA, which means it's – yeah, so like if I punch you in the right arm right now, he's gonna feel it. According it to that special I, I saw on Oprah, it means that if, <laughs> if it means that if I kill you, I got Durango on that one. And there's blood. That's funny. Yeah, it means if my blood gets on you, he could be put in prison or vice versa. Oh. so <clears throat> I'm not sure he'll feel anything. So yeah, don't kill me. Don't test me. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good egg. I'll, I'll bring him in here at some point. But he's a good egg. He runs our Midwest Cash Offer seller facing side of things, and I run our mainstay yeah. uh, investor side of things. Does he like to golf too? He is worse than I am, and he will admit to that. Um, he can hit it farther, but it goes in the woods. So uh, what kind of good is that? Yeah. I got you. Where's your favorite place to golf? Well, I could crawl to Eagle Creek Golf Course from my house. Oh, that's a pretty fun course. So, yeah, that's it's a okay. little long. Have we yeah. been there? No. no. A little, little public course. Put it on the list. We, li- we live right on the water in Eagle Creek. Uh, my wife grew up on 300 acres in Greensburg. Okay. And uh, she wanted a little bit more privacy, and I grew up in the Burbs, so we kind of compromised and did the Eagle Creek thing. Do they so still have cool. that 300? Does the family still have that 300 acres? Yeah. They do. Let's see. Like, I should know this now. They do soybeans. Um, not human corn, but like feed corn. Okay. And then they do alfalfa in the off season. Oh, I say off season. Uh, yeah. uh, cover crops. Yeah. You know, <laughs> off season. Um, and they do a, a black black Angus. They just sold all their black Angus. So that's cool. That's yeah. awesome, man. So I, I married a, a Midwestern farm girl. Yeah. That's awesome. Farmer's man. daughter. So hey, they got a little country, country music. Her, I was yeah. gonna say, hold on. <laughs> I I do, but I ever feel like everything always references something. that's about my life, and I feel like I'm being a, like unfairly targeted by country music artists nowadays. <laughs> It's like, how, yeah, I'm like, I went to Center Grove, along with me. I went to Center Grove, grew up in a subdivision. This is unfair. <laughs> That's like, fantastic. Uh, awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun, man. Thanks for coming in and joining us. Um, I, I think you brought in some really uh, interesting perspectives and some things for us to for all to think about and to grow from, which is the whole point of this. It's been oh, fun, thanks. man. Thanks for having me. We'll uh, we'll do it again for sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. We always uh, appreciate somebody coming in and more than you share, give some information out, um, learn about each other, uh, but have fun, man. Yeah, have yeah. fun. It's important to be vulnerable. And like yeah. you said, kind of accepting that, you know, we can all learn from each other and iron sharpens iron. So that's why I'm here. There we go. That's, that's awesome. Back. Thank you all again so much for listening in. Make sure that you like and subscribe, smash that bell, get the notifications. 
What else am I supposed to I say during what, What's the thing? Is there any hashtags? That's that the hardest he's left all day. He's got to do this thing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, we do appreciate you tuning in and listening. Uh, let us know what else you want to hear from us. We keep on going along and talking to some of our friends and getting some unique perspectives. Aaron? Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what I have to say to you right now. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, if you guys... Uh, appreciate any of this or like to be part of this uh if you didn't learn anything that's fine if you laughed even um all we ask all we have is uh that you can share it with a friend so share it with a friend share it with a friend and in true fashion to today's conversation give us some feedback we would like to ask for your feedback so put a comment in give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down but if it's a thumbs down know that we will hunt you we will find make sure and tag adam and all the thumbs downs that's for adam yeah that's for adam All right. Hey, till we meet again, thanks again so much for being here on the Work Hard, Play Harder podcast. See you guys.